0: On part number four of a series that we've been going through called uh, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. So in Matthew chapter 13, six times Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like. And uh, we're just unpacking each individual parable, each individual story, uh, one by one. And uh, this is what it reads in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 it reads, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Um, So this is what I'm going to ask for this morning. I'm going to ask for some creative liberty because that entire parable was only two verses long. So let me uh, get this, this shovel Uh, And give me some creative liberty. Can I have some this morning? Is that all right? Uh, So here we go. Um, There was a guy in this field. He didn't own the field. um, But I'm gathering that he was working in the field because somehow or another he discovered this, this buried treasure. And so most likely he was working for the man who owned the field. I read some commentaries on this. Uh, passage of scripture uh, one of them was out of the book of Thomas now Thomas was one of Jesus's disciples and he wrote a book um, uh, just like Paul wrote a book and it's in the Bible he wrote a book just like John wrote a book it was in the Bible just like Matthew the reason why Thomas's book was not inserted in the Bible was all the books in the Bible were canonized now what does that mean That means that there are certain things that were required in order for your book to be included in the Bible. And one of those things was you had to be an eyewitness of what you were writing about. And Thomas was not an eyewitness of some of those events. They called him Doubting Thomas because he had a tendency to go, I don't believe this, and he'd walk off, and then something awesome would happen, and he missed it. Well, if you wrote about it, you're hearing it secondhand, and only eyewitnesses were allowed to submit something that was canonized. And so I, wrote, I read Thomas' um, uh, book anyway, um, because he, he lived during that time, and, and he, he said this, that it was most likely a peasant working in this field. So let me just kind of run with that idea just for a moment. that There was a peasant and he was working and, and if you've ever made a garden or if you've ever farmed or anything like that, you, you've got to have these trenches and once you dig up the trenches then you lay the seeds uh, within the trench. And so he was working and shoveling. And I'm just having fun. But... <laughs> But, but he did dig up these trenches, and, and at, at some point, he, he shoved the shovel into the ground and felt something just... If you've ever been shoveling, all of a sudden you feel something that you didn't feel in the past 50 shoves of the shovel, I just realized that a shovel and shove... Okay anyway. Um, so he, he shovels it in and then he he feels something and he's what is that? And he's so curious and what in the world? And, and I just imagine him finding like a board of some sort. And, and he lifts up the board and, and he sees something in there. And he puts his hand carefully because he don't know if there's a rat down there or a snake down there. Reaches down there and finds this like burlap feel and pulls it out. And it's just like this big huge bag. And so he 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 takes the bag and and he he opens it up and reaches in there and all of a sudden he feels a metal substance and he grabs a handful of what he feels and not like pennies but bigger than half dollars uh, these big gold coins with. The burlap bag, half full, he looks in there and realizes he just found a treasure. And according to some of the commentaries that made comments on these, the treasure in the parable most likely was laid there from a person who owned the land previous to the owner, the current owner, and he must have passed away, and the current owner didn't know anything about the treasure. And so now this peasant this worker just found it and so what he does he sticks it back in the hole and then he covers it back up (laughs) he looks around and nobody's looking he's like okay What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so he looks across the field and he sees a red and white sign. You've seen them before REMAX.
1: <laughs>
0: Land for sale. Oh, jeez. And he walks off. He runs home, throws his shovel. No, just kidding. Throws his shovel into the garage walks in, looks at his wife, says, baby, I don't have time to tell you the details, but I need the couch on the front yard. I need the lazy boy on the front yard. He's got a little boy and a little girl. Son, take off your shoes. Take off your hat. Take, take off your shoes. We're having a garage sale. He starts pushing stuff outside, pushing out. The little boy's eating a ham sandwich. What are we doing? Daddy takes the ham sandwich out of his hand. We're having a garage sale and a bake sale. everything to the front yard. Now, imagine that that land was, let's say, 75,000 of our dollars. If you had to come up with $75,000 cash by this Friday, and if you come up with $75,000 cash by this Friday, you will in turn get $100 million. Uh -uh. But you have to come up with $75,000 by Friday. You're selling everything now you're selling the car just for just for a thousand (laughs) dollars you're just selling everything you're selling stuff you don't even own give me that hat give me those shoes I'm going to sell you my neighbor's car (gasps) selling everything you can find sell it sell it sell it sell it sell it get your shirt wear a bake sale sell it sell it all and the kids are crying Daddy's lost his mind (laughs) mama's like he's done it before he'll come back don't worry about it (laughs) get it get it all get it all shut your mouth put your favorite bike on the front yard but just shut up he was Italian shut up get it out there sells it all gets the money the kids standing there in their underwear he shows up with the money ding dong I've got your money what are you doing I want to buy the land Oh, I forgot that land was even for sale. Oh, honey, well, how much are we selling it for? You're selling it for $75,000, sir. Here it is. I want to buy it. Okay, it's, it's yours, man. It's yours. I want to sign a contract. Do you have a contract? I got a pen. Uh, I'll sign it right now. Okay, great, great, great. He signs the contract. It's his land. He goes and gets his family, brings his family out into the yard, takes a a, a blanket, lays it right there in the middle, and says, we're going to sit here until it's dark. Don't say a word. The sun goes down. The moon comes up, takes out a match, lifts up the lamp, It's dark. He goes, don't say a word. Sets the lamp on the ground. And then it's one, two to the right, one, two back, one, two there. It's right here. Jimmy, hold up the lamp. sandcastle full of gold coins and he says it's all ours all of it it's all ours daddy we love you (laughs) baby you're so smart i believed in you the whole time i know It's all ours. It's like the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, when you discover it, when it becomes a revelation that this is for real, it is like finding a treasure in a field. There are three things about this treasure I want to share with you today. Number one is the discovery of the treasure. The discovery of it. It, When when he found that treasure, the, the joy, the endorphins shooting through his body like lightning. The discovery of it. See, here's the thing. Everybody wants a treasure, but nobody wants to dig for it. Is that right? Have you ever been to a beach before, and and you're putting banana boat on? You're putting banana boat on, you're laying there, and you see some guy walking around in in jeans and big boots and an old T-shirt, and he's walking around with one of those beep, 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 Beep beep, beep 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 and you look over there and you go what a buffoon <laughs> if you've done that I'm so sorry it's just an example work with me but you look over there and you're like what are you doing you're on the beach man you're on the beach what are you doing borrow my banana boat but dude stop being a moron oh my goodness and all yours beep 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 beep, and all of a sudden you hear beep beep beep, beep. and you're like no you did not you hear the beep, 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 and he's like this, and he starts digging, and you're like, if he found a treasure, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me, as a coat hanger, told you. Beep, 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 no way. See, everybody wants a treasure, but nobody wants to dig for it. See, the things of God... The things of God, the things of the Holy Spirit, it requires some digging. Having a relationship with Jesus is not for the passive-aggressive nor for the lazy. It's for the people that are willing to dig for it. If you want to have a relationship with God, by exerting the same amount of energy as you watch the Golf Channel, it's just not going to work out. It's something that you have to be all in on and, and to dig for. I, I've got a friend of mine, his name is Kevin Heron, phenomenal guy, pastors a great church, way too far for you to go visit. <laughs> Down in Clear Lake area around Galveston, and he was preaching at a whole bunch of churches within a month. He was kind of traveling around, traveling around, and he was just drained, and um, he wanted to just complain and moan. I don't know if you've ever been there, but... So he went home to his mom and dad's house and walked in the kitchen, sat down with his mom. And his mom is like the greatest mom in the world. If you ever want to complain and whine, she's the one to complain and whine to. She's, oh, baby, oh, baby. What he didn't know was that his dad was in the living room and he could overhear the conversation. And so he's sitting there going, oh, "My God just feels like a million miles away. I'm, I'm dry, I just... I, I don't feel like it, there's nothing in me that's alive. I just feel like a walking corpse. This is just, uh, and so the dad walks in and says, son, and mom stands up and walks. <laughs> he says, son, what, I've been hearing you. He goes, when, when was the last time you got on your hands and knees and you prayed? Yeah. And, and Kevin was like, dad, it, it, it's been a while. Because when was the last time you opened your Bible and actually read it because you wanted to know more about Jesus, not because you wanted another message to preach? He said, it's been a little while. Because when was the last time you went to the bookstore to buy a Christian book just so you could be inspired? It's been a little while. He goes, listen to this. He goes, Kevin, when was the last time you took your cell phone, threw it underneath the seat of your car, and then turned on worship music in your car and just made your car a sanctuary and just worship? When was the last time you did it? He goes, Dad, he goes, I know where you're going. It's been a while. He goes, well, stop whining. In, in my vernacular, it would sound like this. Kevin, it's time to start digging. It's time to start digging. We have to dig. We have to back up and we have to say to ourselves, there is a treasure. I can't see it, but I'm going to go look for it. Do you know that God actually invites you to dig? Invites you to pursue. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says this. He says, you will seek me. Watch this. And you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. See, sometimes we want to find them without seeking them. (laughs) And and we want to find them, and, and then when we do seek them, we want to do it passively. But it's with our entire heart. And he says this, when you do that, you will find me. And then he takes it a step further just a few chapters later in Jeremiah 33, 3. He says this, call out to me. Don't just seek me. Call out to me. In other words, he's saying, I want you to pray. And I will hear you. Now, some people will hear you and then not respond, which is not cool. But he says, I will hear you and I will tell you great things and unsearchable things that you do not know. He's giving you and I an invitation. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a treasure. But my goodness, you're going to have to dig a little bit. You're going to have to show me that you want it. It's like if you meet a person at a restaurant, a guy, a single girl meets a single guy. He's going to have to go ahead and call her. And so here's the thing, Um, it it takes it even a step further. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says this, he backs up and and he makes the comment that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I had a guy tell me, hey, Frankie, when you pray, don't get your expectations too high. He may not answer your prayers. I said, oh, he's going to answer my prayer. There's no doubt about that. Because I'm not praying for something that I want. I'm praying for something that he promised. Big difference. I want a Ferrari. Cherry red on black leather. Convertible. I'm not asking for something I want. I'm asking for something that he promised. He promised that he would reward me. I don't know what that reward is going to look like. I don't know if it's tangible or if it's intangible. I don't know if it's spiritual or if it's natural. I don't know if it's social or if it's emotional. I don't know if it's financial or if it's spiritual. I don't know. But I do know that he owns it all. And he said, I will reward you if you pursue me. I know that it's hard to pray because you can't see me. I know you squeeze your eyes real tight to try to focus. I know it's hard. Some days are harder than others. But I see you pursuing me. I am going to reward you. And then he, goes, he takes it another step further. He says this in James chapter 5 verse 16. He says, he says that uh, the effectual fervent prayer, fervent prayer avails much. It says, of a righteous man availeth much, and, and Jesus made you righteous when he hung on the cross. It, but watch this. When he said that, he's telling us how he wants us to pray, Amen. which is awesome because he didn't give us the amount of time that we should pray. Like, my daughter takes piano lessons at, this, at the Celebration Music School, and, and the, the piano teacher is Pastor Isaiah, and he says, he goes, uh, Presley, you, you need to practice every day for 20 minutes. 20 minutes, said it, every day for 20 minutes, play the piano for 20 minutes every day. God didn't say that because he's so much better of a teacher than Pastor Isaiah. <laughs> what, what, what he said, what Jesus said is he didn't give a time. He said, I want you to pray fervently. See, it's not about the length, it's about the weight. So when you pray fervently, you say, I only got two minutes before my next appointment, so I'm going to go into the bathroom. Have you ever gone to the bathroom when you don't need to use the bathroom just so you can get away from wherever you're at? (laughs) So you go into the bathroom and you shut the stall and you're like, oh, God, get me out of this wherever you are. We go into the bathroom and say, God, I only have 60 seconds in this bathroom before people start getting worried about me. So I'm going to stand in this stall and I'm going to pray fervently. That is equivalent to an hour of casual. Fervent versus casual. Do you know that you can go on the track and walk the track like this for five hours? Or you can go around the track and sprint twice. <laughs> You will burn more calories on the sprint than you will on the walk because it's about the fervency. It's about the intensity, not the distance. It's the intensity. So if you want to burn calories, don't say, i got to walk for 15 hours. No, give me 15 hard minutes, baby girl. (laughs) That part's not in the Bible. (laughs) There's the value of the Treasure. Number two, the value. See, he estimated the value properly. The value of the treasure was more important than all of his life savings. Listen to me carefully here. On the surface, we just look like a bunch of believers. But beneath the surface, what you find are people that have realized that the more you pray, the more peace you experience. The more you worship, the more it smothers worry. And the more faith you live by, the more undescribable fulfillment you experience. It's the value. And then number three um, is the transaction. See, there's a transaction in this parable. There, there was a purchasing and a selling. See, if you go to lunch today, if you go to Papacito's, which you're not because you're going to Growth Track 201, hey, yeah. Um, but if you went to Papacito's for lunch, you would reach into your pocket and you would pull out what you have so that you can have... What somebody else has. You're giving up what you have so that you can have what someone else has. See, the kingdom of heaven is without a price, but you will have to give up the world. That's right. Amen. And the world is has a different definition for everybody. Because there are certain things that just don't fit into the culture of heaven that we have to give up while we're here. And and the culture of heaven is that. Jesus is everything, he's, he's king, he's, he's everything, and we live to adore him and praise him. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, he adds the other things, the things that you don't need in heaven, but you need them here on earth, he adds those things to you. But the, the, the transaction is oftentimes we have to give up the things that are desirable in this world, but they're not godly, they're worldly, they're not godly. See, everybody knows when there's a part of your life that is not godly, it's actually sinful. A preacher doesn't have to tell you what they are. I don't have to stand up here with this big long list and say you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. I don't have to do that because the Bible says this, that he inscribes it on your heart. In your heart, you know what it is. That's right. And so you don't have, the, to the kingdom of God does not have a price, but you do have to give up the things of the world. And so we back up and we, we say to ourselves, okay, I'm, I'm beginning to understand, but do we realize this, that in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it reads like this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. You see, the kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything in your life. when you pursue him and you're exclusive about him and you're willing to give up anything that does not make him smile he adds the other things so there's a there's a discovery process there's recognizing the value and then there's the transaction And, and my encouragement to all of us, you, me, everyone else is this, to remember that we need to pursue the kingdom the same way other people pursue goals.